Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, I'm looking for my good friend, Seth Robinson. Seth, you out there? Hey, you're sounding good after what I assume was a long, late night there in New England. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A long day for me, period. I came back from California, got home in time to see from the fourth inning on the Red Sox get into yet another World Series. Yay! Happy, happy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, we were watching that. My I, my wife likes baseball a lot more than I do, so she is really enjoying watching the games. And so we had that on the TV, and then on the iPad, I was flipping back and forth between football and basketball. But yeah, I caught most of the game. I don't think I I'm, I didn't stay up till the end, um, which I'm sure is when you stayed up. But uh, it looked like they had it pretty well <laughs> under control. Yeah, it was a great game. It was. I mean, great series. They won four games in a row to take this after everybody thought Houston was going to be the team that went back to the World Series since they're the defending champs. But nope, I'm liking this team. They grind it out. They're not ostentatious. They're sort of like a non-flamboyant team. Um, no big names. I mean, th- there are big names, but... Uh, but, but no, like, big personalities, right? right. Like, yeah, yeah. It's That's very much the case, and the, a lot of the media has written about that. It's just they're not a lot of... It's not a lot of big personalities. They work as a group, and the, I love the, man, the manager. He's a newbie, so Alex Cora's first-year manager to take a team to the World Series. Kudos to him. So it's exciting. A lot of late nights, though, now ahead of me. Um, so... I'll be dragging. This is what happens when you have all these championship teams. <laughs> yeah, such an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> it really is. It really is. So I wanted to say, before we get started, I wanted to say one other thing, which is on a completely other note, but it's and it's sort of sad, but I wanted to just give like a little bit of recognition here uh, to Paul Allen, who did uh, pass away this week. Kind of a big figure in our industry, obviously. I just read... Bill Gates's write-up about his friend, uh, you know, who helped founded Microsoft with him. And it, it's a very touching, and it doesn't talk a lot about the technology industry. It's really sort of a personal thing about Paul. But, you know, I've been in this industry now since uh, the 90s, late 90s, and obviously he's a big figure. And uh, so just wanted to give a little shout-out there. Yeah, very good. I, I uh, you know, also saw a lot of the tributes pouring in this week and was thinking about it. And really just thinking about, you know, Microsoft where it stands today, it doesn't get talked about as much as some of the newer companies or the ones that are maybe growing a little bit more rapidly, but it's still there in the mix. And, yeah. um, and I think we should maybe wait, you know, another 20 years before we're crowning some of these companies that have done well recently, um, but need to prove it over, over time. And, and Microsoft has done that. Not only that, as you said, you know, Gates's write-up didn't really talk a whole lot about the tech industry. Paul Allen and now Bill Gates are just doing a lot of other tremendous things. And, you know, I was watching the Portland game last night, and they gave a tribute to him and reserved a seat. He was a huge figure in Seattle. And that's another thing that, you know, we, we want to watch these tech founders from today grow up and, and become that, you know, and not just be, here, I built this incredibly new pa- platform or whatever, but to build something sustainable beyond just the technology that they're inventing. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you're right about standing the test of time. And I think Paul Allen's legacy will definitely attest to that, which is which which is nice. So just wanted to mention that before we dive into our stuff here today. Yeah. 
Well, we're in the middle of October, which means that we've got holidays kind of coming at us now through the rest of the year. And so with those holidays coming at us, I thought that we could talk a little bit about the tech industry and talk about maybe something that scares us about the tech industry for Halloween, and then maybe something that we're thankful for for Thanksgiving, and then maybe something that would be on our wish list for Christmas. Um, so how's that sound? That sounds fantastic. Great. So we'll start with the scary stuff. Uh, oh, scary, scary. I know. When I think about the tech industry, I see a lot of spaces where I, I guess in general, I would say it's growing a little bit faster than our capacity to deal with this. And Thomas Friedman, who I'm sure you know, a writer for the New York Times, yeah. his latest book, he touches on this a little bit and he talks about a lot of technologists that he has talked to believe that we've cr crossed this tipping point where technology's capabilities are now growing faster than humanity's capabilities to adapt. Uh, and he's got a little graph in there that isn't you know, overly scientific, but it just shows that recently we've, we've crossed this point. And I think we can see that and we can feel that, that technology's capabilities in terms of computation or the amount of data that's flowing all over, or the amount of storage that we have is just growing dramatically, and we hardly know what to do with the stuff that we have, much less the stuff that we're going to have in another 18 to 24 months. And this really manifests in a few different ways. Like one of the most obvious is security and cybersecurity as uh, digital operations become more critical to a business or a government, then all of those security issues begin to crop up. But I think it shows up in other places too, like privacy and digital trust, uh, or even unintended consequences, like some of these major social media platforms that we have, you know, I don't think people could really project and see what happens when you get a billion people connected on one platform and you don't have the ability to provide all the checks and balances. And now, you know, false information or misinformation can come in and really begin to skew perception on a grand scale. And so I think there are a lot of things like that that haven't been considered very much. And of course, technology is only going to keep growing. Um, so it's a little bit frightening. No, I, I couldn't agree more on what you said about social media. Uh, just look at the impact that it's had on our, you know, our, our elections, our, our political institutions or governmental institutions. It's polarized the country in, in many ways has become the platform to, for polarization. And, and I think that that's a dangerous thing. Um, security issues obviously are going to always be around. What I worry about are the attitudes about technology from young people. I mean, we had our daughters on the podcast, I don't know, about a month or two ago. And, uh, you know, they're, you know, 20 and 18 or whatever they are. But I just look at how they use technology and how it's just infiltrated their life. It's something that they basically couldn't imagine not having. And yet I see them, at least in my kid's case, and I see other kids do this, but their, their total lack of worrying about things like privacy, it freaks me out. You know, I mean, they're willing to put their life on display it, willingly and they, they don't worry about it at all. And, and, and I think we're raising a generation of people that are like that. And I don't know what the downstream implications are 
for that. And maybe, you know, uh, we as older people freak out about privacy issues and maybe this younger generation just won't and no one cares about it. But I worry about that. And the other thing I, I, I worry about is, yes, I think you're right. The development of technology is progressing at such a rapid pace that we on the mere human side can't necessarily keep up with it. And and there's definitely a concern there. And I think about things like automation, which I think is a great thing. But at what point do we want er, not want everything automated? At what point do we want people to have to do stuff, people to have to think, people to have to be the movers and the shakers or the ones that push this button or that button? Uh, it, it's it, it, it's very vexing because I, I, I really love this industry. This is why I've committed to it as a career. But uh, there are things that are very troubling about it. I do think that there are some really interesting things happening across generations. And, you know, I agree with you that when I look at, you know, my kids or students that I might interact with, I, I see some behaviors there that I react to pretty strongly, like, you know, why would you be putting all that out there? Or, or right. why, why aren't you concerned about having a face-to-face conversation or, or some of those things? And I, I, I have those concerns, and I think that that's probably not unique to, you know, any, you know, previous generation looking at a newer generation um, to have concerns like that. At the same time, I feel a little glimmer of hope there where because technology is so ingrained for them, I I sense that they have a little bit more uh, concept of this is still my identity separate from the technology. Whereas the way that I feel personally, you know, I won't speak for you or anyone else in my generation, is technology has infiltrated that and it's always been a thing that we have to account for. And for them, I think they're able to identify that a little bit more. And and I think it makes them a little bit more cognizant of what technology might be doing for good and for bad and what they need to do in order to keep their identity or to make sure that the work that they're doing is meaningful, which is another trend that we see. Um, and, and so I think there's maybe a little glimmer of hope there. And you know, well, as as with anything, we'll see how it plays out. But there's mm. there's a lot of reason to be concerned and and to maybe want companies to behave better or governments to think about regulation in a different way. Uh, and those are all the things that you know we will continue doing as researchers and you know within CompTIA and all the work that we do. Yeah, I mean, it's not all gloom and doom, obviously. I mean, tech is a good thing, I think, fundamentally. And so that probably brings us to the next subject that we can talk about is, yes, there are scary things, but there's a lot to be thankful for uh, when it comes to uh, technology as a general topic. And one of them is uh, the fact that technology is not just the IT industry anymore. Technology is an opportunity that spans every type of industry out there. It's really a ubiquitous opportunity uh, for people that are just entering the workforce or people who are deciding to change jobs. And I think that's exciting. I think we talk about this a lot at CompTIA, our CEO does, just the abundance of opportunity to be involved in technology, but not necessarily having to work for a technology company. You can work for pretty much any type of industry right now. You can be in retail, you can be in fashion, you can be in the music industry, the entertainment industry, you can be in manufacturing. You can do, There's so much opportunity and this is great. And I think the one thing I want to tease out is this is particularly great for girls. 
we see girls getting interested in in uh, STEM type education and uh, losing interest. And we've done some research around this losing interest by the time they hit college, where they have to start thinking about what their major is going to be and what industry they're going to work in. And they decide, hey, I don't really want to go work for IBM or Microsoft and no offense to those companies, but they just simply these girls don't see themselves fitting in. And we've done our own uh, volley podcast on uh, the IT industry and its uh, and its impact on women. Uh, we'll just put it that way. Uh, so now that girls see that they could have potential careers and and hopefully we keep proselytizing this, but that they can be technologists and they don't even have to be an engineer. They could be a social media expert. They could do content marketing. There's so many tech jobs that fall outside of what you typically think of. Um, and they could do it in any industry. And I, I see that as just a big thing to be thankful for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I think that the job opportunities, you know, that are getting created here are tremendous. Just, you know, in general, I know there's a lot of, you know, fear about which job opportunities are going to go away because of automation or technology. And I do think that it's going to be somewhat of a painful transition. There's going to be a lot of displacement. Uh, yeah. And a lot of retraining that has to get done and and a lot of angst over that. And I think we see a lot of that angst playing out, you know, in the job space and in society. My personal belief is that when we get through the transition, there's going to be more there than ever before for those people that have trained and, and adapted to a new digital ecosystem. Uh, and your points about, you know, girls and women are really well made that, it's giving them a ton more opportunity. It's also giving them a lot more voice. You know, women and a lot of underserved, you know, or un- underrepresented populations. Yeah. Um, you know, this this is the issue. They haven't been able to have a voice uh, when the mechanisms for having that voice or having a platform are being controlled. And now that there's a lot more openness, they can speak out and and they can find each other and have a community and make their issues known, and more people can see them. And I think it's moving the ball forward, you know, not as fast as a lot of people would like, um, but I, I still think it's it's moving the ball forward. And I think that's a great thing. Yeah, I was at an event this week uh, uh, in California and one of the keynote speakers got up and showed a video of girls that code. And I mean, I think most of us know that about this group, but the, the, the one individual girl it was high schoolish age uh, who was the protagonist in 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 the video was it it was just stunning. I mean, she was not working on solving computery problems or IT problems. She was coding and, and you know developing things for uh, shopping, for clothes shopping, and an app for you know how to go find the the right store to. For the for at the right price for the things that you like to shop for, and I mean, her she was so enthusiastic. It was really, it, honestly, it was nice, and and I think it feeds right into here is that you know IT is really busted out of being in one lane, and now technology, a career in technology, means so much more. It can mean a million different things for people, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, really, really excited to see, you know, where it takes us, uh, especially, as you mentioned, since we have our own girls that are entering the workforce, you know, going through school and college and and kind of finding their way in this new world. So excited for, for them and for all their peers. 
Yeah, we've got engineer girl, engineering major, and a math major. How weird is that? Yeah. <laughs> well, sticking with the uh, hopeful theme here, as we get to the, the end of the year, we'll be making wish lists. And of course, everyone will be making their you know list of here's the great technology and gadgets to have uh, for the holidays. But uh, we're thinking a little bit more high level than that. And, and when I think about a thing that I would wish for the technology industry, uh, I'm bringing it real close to CompTIA now and the membership that we've had and uh, the, the firms that are out there doing technology business, the business of technology, as we call it, uh, some kind of enablement. And for a long time, that's looked like distribution and managed services. And, and now it's really emerging into all kinds of different firms doing digital marketing or data analytics or focused specifically on security. And a thing that I would wish is that there's some way that that ecosystem finds better ways to cross-pollinate and network with each other. I, I think we've been after this for a while at CompTIA, so it's not for lack of trying, but I still feel like I see in the industry different pockets. So we've got you know a traditional channel over here, and then we've got firms that are doing software as a service over here. And they might be talking to each other a little bit, but it's not completely the same language. Um, and I think from an end user perspective, end users are reaching out to those firms individually because they will say, I need someone to manage my network. I need to bring in a piece of software as a service. I need some data analytics. Um, but even they aren't quite managing it cohesively. And so I'd like to see that, you know, gel a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. and see if there's more things that we can do to try to make that conversation happen. No, I totally agree. Um, I, I mentioned the event that I, I was at an event this past week. I was at the AppDirect Engage event. And AppDirect is a company that builds um, app stores for SaaS players and others. And typically when I go to these channel events, I know a lot of the people who are there. I've got the I get shout outs, you know, hey, Carolyn, hey, Carolyn. I didn't know anyone. These were all new faces for me. Uh, and this was refreshing. I, I was really psyched about this. So I met a lot of new folks and they live in a little bit different ecosystem than the traditional channel, but really they do about the same type of thing. They're all, we're all in the same business of tech. Everybody's influencing technology sales. Uh, people are developing their own intellectual property. And, and it was, it was quite interesting to me. And then, so I did my presentation on um, the state of the channel, which we talked about a few weeks ago. And there were people in the room who really uh, were there to honestly understand what the channel was all about, even though they actually resell and influence technology sales themselves. So there's definitely a little bit of a disconnect. But one of the things that I emphasize is don't consider yourselves competitors. Consider yourselves potential partners. Uh, I think there's so much opportunity for these new entrants, so to speak, who are influencing technology and selling technology, whether it's a software as a service provider and partner, whether it is um, somebody who is very vertically focused in terms of the industry that they sell to, or whether it's some some of these professional services firms that we talk about, you know, accounting firms and law firms and digital marketing agencies that are all in, nowadays in the, the tech business, whether they like to acknowledge it or not, they are. It's not their main business model, but they may be doing it as part of their side business. 
they could be working together hand in hand with some of our traditional folks who've been in the channel forever, who do infrastructure perfectly well. And they may not be application specialists. And so it's a nice marriage. Instead of thinking of these folks as competitors, think of them as somebody you can work with to fill skills gaps that you have. Because that's the other big issue that we have going on in our industry right now is the the human resources talent gap type of um, issue. So instead of uh, one way to bridge that would be to to reach out and partner with some of these non-traditional players. Right. Right. And I, I can certainly understand the challenges in that, that especially from the third party perspective, that if they're all out there trying to get into the client, there's going to be this tendency to see each other as competitors, or there's at least going to be some awkwardness in trying to figure out how do we coordinate these efforts. Um, and, and like I said earlier, I don't think we see this uh, really strongly from end users yet of, you know, where a CIO or maybe at a at a medium sized company, you know, somebody that's running the IT there is is really managing this whole network of partners and and kind of bringing them together. And so that might be something for us to look at in the coming year as we're thinking about this this digital transformation from tactical IT to strategic IT, which I wrote about this year and which we've talked about before. I, you know, that could be a part of it. Is is as you're moving there how do you approach managing partners and how do you bring them all to the table together? And then when we can see that behavior, you know, as with so many other things, then we can begin to translate it more to the third parties where they might be working with a, a company that doesn't even have an IT department and they can begin to learn some best practices of how they can work together and be at the table together. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think our takeaway here is that Technology is good for the most part. Um, there are things that are to be scared about, but there are things to be very hopeful about. And I think that the main thing I want to <clears throat> leave everybody with is that we should just, we, I think it's important for us to maintain the human element in all of this. So working together, bringing different types of companies together that might not have worked together before, being cognizant of some of the downsides of technology, and, and working against those. And then just also being, you know, fully embrace some of the good opportunities that are out there. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting little world that you and I work in. Well, that's very well said. I, uh, I don't think I have anything to add on to it. So yeah, that's a, a quick look at some, some things that we're thinking of as, as we approach the end of the year. And obviously this is probably going to begin to turn into the, the trends that we're developing for 2019, um, Indeed. which is going to be on us before we know it. Yes, it is. It's on my to-do list, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, have a great weekend. I yeah, guess I'll be rolling in my baseball fun, but yeah, no you'll be waiting to see who you face. Uh, I'm kind of pulling for the Brewers, but it's looking like it's going to be the Dodgers. I know. I'm torn. I mean, the the Brewers would be a, a very interesting story since, you know, when do they ever get to the World Series? Right. Um, but there's, there's an L.A.-Boston thing, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the Celtics and the Lakers for all those years in the 80s. So it's, uh, uh, I don't know, either one. I'm well, ex I, I expect your, your wife is probably rooting for the Brewers, right? Um... I'm not sure if she has a strong. Really, really I thought the Wisconsin here. connection for sure would be. Uh... Yeah, but they they might be. You know, her team is the Twins, so ah, gotcha. there, you know there might be some rivalry playing in there too. So 
I'm not sure. She's just uh, enjoying watching it. And so yeah, we'll we'll be watching some more this weekend. And looks like it's going to be a, a great fall weekend here. Good. We'll enjoy it, buddy. All right. You too. We will talk to you next time.